the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your life is in the hands of a God who never sleeps fear not little lamb for the kingdom belongs to his sheep and your in the hands of a God who So why don't we just do like rapid fire? I'm going to ask you, are you on the thread right now? Mm -hmm. You, you ask me Ashton's question and then I'll Jen's and then you Jen's and then I'll ask you Laura's. Okay. 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 So Katie, this one is from Ashton. who is one of our attending lambs team members. How do we teach our kids politeness or manners outside the home in ways that don't force them into uncomfortable situations with big expectations? For example, saying hello, shaking hands, gift giving, etc. Okay. So really quickly, the things that come to my mind first are giving them options like those videos that you see of the kids in school that get to choose, mm -hmm. like, do you want a fist bump? Do you want a handshake? Do you want a hug? Do you want a high five? Do you want nothing? So that's a really good way to let a kid feel empowered and get to choose like for specifically like physical interactions. When it comes to saying hi um, and gift giving, you know, you can't, you just can't, force that from a little kid. If they're uncomfortable, it's really important to let them navigate um, who is safe and to learn that. Who is safe yeah. to talk to, who is not safe to talk to, and to see you exhibit that. You know, they're learning this from you. So, you know, I doubt you're going to have a 14-year-old who is so impolite that they're just not going to even say hello to someone that walks up to them. So when they're like three or four and they're standing behind you and they don't want to say hello, um, you know, accept that. I think like, I, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's really important um, that we, I mean, we live in a culture where it's, I'm the authority and you do what I say. So you're going to hug your aunt if you don't even want to. And that is essentially I feel like that is predisposing them to possibly be groomed um, yeah. or to just not know when they can say no, right. even if someone else isn't trying to hurt them. We have to be very careful in letting them, I mean, in teaching them that their bodies are their own mm -hmm. and they don't owe their body or any physical action to anybody else. Yeah. And I think for, for me, most of this comes back to how you model this in the home. Mm -hmm. uh, saying hello to each other, being polite, asking, can I get you some water? You know, it's funny that speaking of that, um, it wasn't until I came here that I l feel like I really learned like how to treat guests and how to have like really nice manners. And I, that's not to offend or to like down, you know, like be not nice about Americans because you have like Americans have their own way of doing things and everybody kind of has their own expectations. But when I came here, I, <clears throat> I felt really like there's aspects to the Dutch culture that are not so fun, but then other parts of it I've really learned a lot from. And 
uh, like being sure to offer drinks and refreshments and being sure to like follow up with people and put, put a, a date in your, your schedule with someone to like actually call people back to, you know, like these types of things are like really, really normal here. And I appreciate that. And I think you learn that by being, by it being modeled. Nobody told me I had to do that here, you know, but I saw people doing that. And then I felt awkward when I didn't do that because I realized it, it's, it kind of felt really rude to like, to not do those things. And I think, you know, what kids grow up with as far as expectations comes directly from us as parents. Well, they have to understand that every other person is made in the image of God. And that's kind of the bottom line and where you work from. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, a lot of people try and, and do it like, you know, try to the behavior modification thing, but when it really comes from a way more foundational place, what you're teaching them, what you're modeling them, how you're treating each other in the home regularly and consistently, you know, mm-hmm. it's a really big deal. Okay. So next question. Are you asking me that one? Oh, wait. Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You're fine. I was yeah. like, wait a second. Do I not know what's going on? Okay. So rapid fire. We're going to try and do these quick. Jen asks, how do you teach staying with mom in a store? Help, my kids keep running away. How do I keep them next to me? Oh, you just made that part up. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, where is that? Um, Okay, so how do you teach staying with mom in the store? This one is tricky, but as a seasoned mother of four children, seven and under, I will say, Right, let's go. I think it's Janet Lansbury who is always like, are you taking them to the store tired? Are they hungry? Are they overwhelmed? Like there are so many things to consider yes. in planning. Like, is it nap time? Um, so the important things for me would be, can I handle it if this is a training exercise? Like if I know that the kids are kind of going to be um, either silly or cranky or excited, like, can I handle that today? If not, we might need to get pizza. Um, yeah. I'm thinking grocery store. That's, that's what I'm thinking. But um, how do you teach staying with mom? Um, the cart. The cart is a great tool um, until they get too big where they can't fit in the cart. But by then, they should probably have some of this down. It really depends on your kid. But um, I know with my two-year-old specifically, she's silly. She likes to play games and she likes to play tricks. And she just, she gets excited in the store. It's a big place with lots of things to touch. So a lot of the times before we go in, I set her in the cart and I'm like, I can take you out, but I will have to put you back if you run. Mm -hmm. You can't run. It's not safe. There are people that we don't know. I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want anybody else to get hurt. So if you run, I'm going to have to put you back in the cart. And, um, and I know that she understands this because this is something we practice continuously. And sometimes it's appropriate for me to have that talk with my bigger kids. Um, like if, and sometimes honestly, we have had to leave. I know that that is the most inconsistent thing, but we've just, we've had to, we've had to leave because it's not healthy for them or me or anybody else in the store. Um, some little things you can do, you can, depending on their age and what you think that they would like to do or are capable of doing, you can have them help to get the groceries and put them in the cart. That gives them a focus point. Um, 
they're helping. They feel empowered to help. They feel excited to help. It gives them a job to do. And that's just something that really helps kids all around all the time. I feel like, um, hands on the cart that used to be a thing when I was little is just like keep one hand on the cart and it's like your little central station. And I don't, I don't know why, but that never felt overbearing to me. I felt like I was safe if I had my hand on the cart, if my little brothers had their hands on the cart, they were safe. And we were just kind of doing something together. Um, going with two parents, if at all possible, there are definitely weeks where I am try to maneuver everything where Aaron can come with me so that if someone needs to take a break or be away from the rest of them or mm-hmm. just to have the extra set of hands, it's really helpful. Um, you know, I had an idea too, while you were talking in, a, in kind of the same vein as like letting them do things. Uh, I've never done this, but this it kind of popped into my head and I was like, Oh, that's actually not a bad idea. I think if you have older kids, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, uh, years old coming to the store and giving them their own list and actually giving I loved that when I was little yeah well and not even they don't like for the olders I think like even giving them permission to go find it themselves like yeah. if you're okay with that I'm kind of more of a free-range parent and you might have to kind of go into the store and explain to the manager and say hey, you know, we're practicing responsibility. I'm letting my eight-year-old here, whatever the name is, uh, you know, have their own list and they're going to be going around finding their things. We don't want you to think that some kid's just randomly walking around. Is that okay? Like, I think that's totally a legit thing to do and would most kids would love that responsibility. Um, I was going to mention, now that you said that, Uh, I think it was last week or the week before we made an impromptu trip to Aldi and we didn't have a quarter for the cart. And I'm sure I could have asked somebody for it. I have four kids and I probably looked like a person, but, uh, but, um, they each picked out a really big bag and I was like, you know, 79 cents for three kids. I can deal with this. Um, and they just took turns putting the things we were grabbing in their bag and carrying their bag around. And they were so excited about it. So for littler kids, if they can't handle the list, you might want to give them a bag or one of the little kid buggies. If you can trust them not to play bumper car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, speaking from experience. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Okay. So Katie, this one is from Jen. And I think this is a great one. Um, how would you quickly in like three sentences or so explain gentle parenting to a concerned party? Okay. So to a friend who is actually interested, but is genuinely concerned that I'm reading the Bible incorrectly, um, which is usually why people in Christian circles are concerned uh, Mm -hmm. that you're, you're doing things like unbiblically. I would say, uh, First, I would ask them their specific concerns uh, so that you could uh, address them if it has to do with the Proverbs, which goes on to, you know, the next question. But um, uh, if it just, you know, it does depend on their their concerns. But for someone who just wants to know, okay, what is this then? What are you doing with your kids? Uh, you know, how is this different? I would say... Uh, that gentle parenting comes from the idea that kids deserve respect. They deserve not to be shamed. They deserve not to be, uh, 
you know, hit just like adults do. And they, uh, there are reasons for that. There are biblical reasons if someone would like to get into them, but uh, otherwise that's just the foundation really it's, it's that and that um, consequences, natural and logical consequences are the way humans learn best. They're the way God teaches his children. They're the way we all just learn naturally. And uh, that's how we want uh, to raise our kids, for them to be inherently motivated by um, the natural rewards and consequences that are built into, into every day. We want them to learn respect by giving them respect. So um, that's how I would say that. I think you could also add that we're not the Holy Spirit. And that opens up a much bigger conversation. But in a lot yeah. of what you said, it to summarize it, I'm not the Holy Spirit. Um. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It is kind of like that's the thing. I have I have such a hard time editing myself. And with something like GP, it's so it can you know there are there are so many layers, and it's such a large philosophy that's not just like oh well we don't like spanking so we don't spank you know like, right. <laughs> it's it's so much more so three sentences is hard but yeah summing it up i'm not the holy spirit i want to teach my kids to be respectful people by showing them respect um yeah and just what i've already said so yeah no i think you could get you could easily get three concise sentences out of what katie just gave <laughs> yeah because i can't give three concise sentences i'm sorry you're gonna have to decipher right. and make your and come up with your own three sentences we can make little business cards laminated business cards with like three sentences with little sub threads like <laughs> want to know the theological reason do you want to know the philosophical reason do you want to know our personal reasons like <laughs> yeah exactly do you want to know practical ways that you can you know yeah exactly okay so uh, Sam, Laura Pumphrey's question. How do you easily refute broad verses? How do you teach simple commands like come? Oh, that's a different. Oh, these are two questions. These, yeah. are two, these are two questions. We'll just answer these last two questions. Okay. So Sam from Laura Pumphrey, how do you easily, ref first we'll start with this one. How do you easily refute broad verses? I have found myself explaining that upon studying the context, none of them mean hitting small children. Um, I usually go from there because people are like, what? So it gives you opportunity. But I feel like this is such an involved, um, this is just, I mean, this is exegeting biblical passages. Right. Uh, so a lot of the times I gauge like, what what the interest is as we've talked about before um and resources 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 so like hey i've studied this myself and um what i've learned is that the context is not talking about one spanking at all um or two striking young children where i found the best information is in samuel martin's book thy rod and thy staff they comfort me um, there's some great articles by Don Owsley and we also did like, I mean, give them the tending lambs podcast links. Like, I mean, get, come on. Shout our... out to us. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, so I can give those, but it, we would obviously love if you guys gave those and we, we created them to be helpful. So if you need to use them as resources in your, your toolbox then go. Yeah. For that. 
Yeah, definitely. I think the same thing. That's usually the, the, where exactly where I go. Well, actually, based on my study, this is what I've found about the context, like that it's not referred like exactly what you said. And if there seems to be further interest, then kind of gauging whether or not there's enough time to sit with them and kind of talk through it, right. or if you just need to give them, yeah, yeah, give them more. But there's no real way to like really easily like refute them you kind of have to just because what you need to refute them is like actual actual exegesis you can't just say well it's not this it's not this it's not this you can say this is what i found to be to, that what i believe is true after doing my after doing study uh and then see see where they want to go from there yeah because remember this is literally centuries of bad exegesis yeah like for real though okay so secondly from laura we have how do you teach simple commands like come sit wait or at least how to turn and respond to your voice okay so i recognize that there are situations where you're going to need to uh, where your kid is going to need to come immediately and to sit and to wait and to to listen to you immediately. But kind of like we outlined in our, you know, obedience is not the goal episode. Uh, most of the time, those things can be accomplished more respectfully if you approach it um, a bit differently. Instead of from the standpoint of a command, um, you... Uh, imagine how you would ask a friend to come to come because you needed them to or to sit and wait for you and even if that situation is one that's like more imperative it's more necessary like you would still oftentimes what really helps me is to put myself in the situation with another adult and imagine how would I say this to another adult and of course you're not going to say all the same things um, sometimes you have to use less words or fewer words or more uh, with a kid, depending on the situation. But um, the approach is usually not just like, come here now. You know, that kind of thing is not usually appropriate because it is all, it's adversarial and it's disconnected from your kid. And so the point in, in gentle parenting is to come alongside your kid um now if there's danger involved um you know you very well like i think most kids will respond if if you're being respectful the like all, as much as you can you know there's always moments when we're not the most respectful but like generally you're as respectful as you can be you're apologizing when you're not you're treating you're coming alongside them treating them well and kindly and then there's a moment where there's danger and you need them to come here right now and you you know have to be a bit more gruff about it i and I think most kids will respond to that positively. They'll hear the, yeah. the, the alarm in your voice. Right. Cause if they're not, I think this is a, a big, um, this is a good support for not yelling and raising your voice a lot yes. because if they're used to that and that's all they know to respond to, excuse me, there would be like, they, there might be some hesitation or them just not registering that there is danger when you have to yell. So we like to say in our house to the kids too, that, um, that screaming is for emergencies. So, I mean, obviously if they're playing outside, it's a little bit different, but if they're just kind of picking at each other or upset about something, um, we like to gently remind them like, 
it might, it, I might think that there's an emergency if they're if they're screaming <laughs> rather than right. talking to each other. So just to kind of be be cautious with our voices and to teach them. Just I mean, it's it's really a lot of social socially related interactions. Yeah, means danger. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, on the second part of this, at least uh, how to turn and respond to your voice. Most of the time. It's the same thing. It's uh, you, it's getting their attention respectfully. Hey, I have a question for you. If they're having a really hard time, you know, they're focusing on a video game or something, you know, getting not being ru- like rudely interrupting, but coming down to their eye level and sa- and uh, requesting their their attention, saying, "Hey, I need your attention for a second. Can you can you pause that when you get to a place where you can pause it?" Or um, something like that. Now, when you're dealing with two or three or four-year-olds, you know, it's, I don't know exactly where it is in the brain <laughs> that's causing them to be so laser focused on one thing that they almost like literally don't hear you. But I think in lots of, <clears throat> in lots of situations, it's just not possible. And you just have to go get their attention in like yourself. Yeah. And pro tip, just getting from experience. Um, Hi, baby. <laughs> she woke up. Um, try not to yell from the other rooms or even just just try not to like be calling out a lot unless it's necessary because I think that that causes a lot of frustration. And this isn't yeah. some like, I don't know if there's scientific proof to this, but I know in my house, even between my husband and I, for some reason, it just seems more urgent or, or sparks some irritation when people are calling out from other rooms rather than taking the time personally to come and engage with you. Uh, And a a few practical tips, or at least someone that I can think of right now is for things like, um, and you can practice this really early with your kids is, is practicing, actually practicing or making a game of it, almost like role playing for like when mommy calls, what do you do? Um, And teaching them to come to you or, if you need them to sit or wait or something, just practice, practice, practice. Um, there was one podcast I was listening to that was talking about how, like, I think it takes about three days on average to to kind of hammer in a new habit for a kid, whereas it takes, gosh, I think it was like 21 days for an adult. Um, but so, like, take a weekend. If you're trying to get a behavior, a helpful behavior down, take a weekend to practice that, like, like putting hands on mommy if you need to ask a question and you don't want to interrupt or sitting. Um, we're all sitting now. We're all like, we're all going to sit to read. So just kind of take a few days sort of like you would with potty training um, to kind of get the habit down and just practice, practice, practice before the situation is one where you're having high expectations because you'd like to see a change and it feels like crunch time. Do it when you have the time to teach them. For sure. I think that's a really, really great note. Um, yeah, I'm practicing. Good stuff. <laughs> and it helps, you know, honestly, it's kind of just like do-overs, you know, it helps you build those neuron, the neural pathways where all of you, like you and your kids, uh, are practicing the way to respond. And that it really helps you have that tool in your toolbox in the moment when you really, really need it. It's already been gone through. It's already been practiced. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really good uh, place to wrap up. We've reached all the questions. So, um, 
thank you, Sam, for speaking off the cuff. And thank you, Wilder, for gracing us with your coos and cuteness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm a ceiling fan, so she's a... So uh, thank you for listening and thank you for those of you who commented on the post. Uh, We are grateful for your excellent questions. Yeah, they were really good questions. So we're grateful for your thoughtful questions and your interaction in the group. So until next time, peace out. Peace out. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find the show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website, tendinglambs.com. Until next time.